Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Back to our Christmas edition of the Blitz podcast. Um, this is a show that we're recording on Monday, one week prior to Christmas. So we won't be able to wish you Merry Christmas um, before Christmas happens. We, we can wish everyone Happy Hanukkah. Okay, we can do that too. I guess we can say Happy Holidays and be politically correct, right? Um, ah, who cares about that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I actually, before I knew it was politically correct to do that, I realized people I interacted with, I wasn't sure what they celebrate. And I would say happy holidays. And I was just doing X. I wanted to be nice. Um, so if somebody doesn't like it, tough crap, but Hey, Harley, my, my partner in crime, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, except for this is the interesting time of season for me because everywhere I go, uh, I've got little kids trying to jump on my lap and trying to pull up my beard. <laughs> so I got to tell you, there's a lot of stupid commercials on TV, but that commercial where they're at, I think it's a Wendy's. Um, and they're like, I think that's, that's me folks. I think it's him. It's like the guy looks like Santa Claus and the guy goes over like, well, I'm gonna go ask him. I'm gonna talk to him. He says, can I have a seat? And he acts like he wants to sit on his lap. That just, that's one of those few that actually caught me off guard. And every time I see him, I'm like, okay, that's a pretty good one. They got, that's a good one. Well, uh, unfortunately that hasn't happened to me at a Wendy's yet, but that's mainly because I won't go inside of a Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do like Wendy's food, but typically if I'm stopping for fast food, it's via the drive-thru and not dining in. You know, I was talking to my wife about that the other day, maybe a few weeks ago. I don't know. I said, it's amazing. I remember my first job was at a McDonald's, and I remember when the McDonald's, probably a few years before I started working there, yes, I'm old, actually um, remodeled to have a drive-thru installed. Like, drive-thrus weren't always a thing, and I bet you drive-thru business is probably 85 90% of most fast food businesses um, take on a day. Well, I, I think that's probably the case. Although it's kind of interesting here in Minnesota, uh, roughly four years ago or, or two years before the COVID pandemic hit America, uh, Minnesota voted to outlaw the construction of new drive throughs in the Twin Cities metropolitan area proper. Really? Exactly. They were concerned about uh, uh, car lines and whatnot, particularly ones formed by new restaurants opening. A lot of it actually had to do with when uh, the Krispy Kreme franchises first appeared here in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, ironically, they're all gone now, just like six years later. But when they first started happening here, the lines were huge for those. Uh, there's some Starbucks drive throughs here in town that have been notoriously long lines. And again, because of that, the city didn't like the fact that all these cars were idling in the drive throughs uh, waiting to get in, blocking traffic and stuff. So the city decided to basically outlaw them. Huh. Uh, then obviously COVID hit and everyone was suddenly going through drive throughs uh, to, to get their food. So they've kind of had to relax. But that's kind of where we are here, at least right now. Well, you must have said something that somebody didn't like because you got cut out for just a second. But that's OK. I think the sentiment made it. Um, you know, it's almost like I get it in a sense. Like when you want to build a business, you have to have so many parking spaces per, for the size and stuff, right, to accommodate the cars mm -hmm. that are expected to visit. So maybe that's something that the planners should do and say, how many cars can your drive through 
handle at a given time and do you have the space for the the, the queue basically right um the first time i saw a bad queue with cars where they were like out in not just a road but a major highway um was when a cookout opened in the newport news area here in virginia um i was like what is going on why is this lane shut down why is nobody moving and then when we got up to it realized it was a line for people coming out of a cookout that had recently opened and i'm pretty sure it was actually a double line it had double drive-through and still had lines going out the into the actual road. Well, I think one of the newest uh, things to come here to Minnesota in the last year or so is uh, we have our first uh, pneumatic drive-through. <clears throat> There's oh. a Taco Bell with the uh, kitchen up above the drive-through, yep. and the food would go down through a pneumatic tube, kind of like you'd see at a bank drive-in. Right. I saw, I saw the concept of that a few years ago, actually. That's pretty cool. didn't know they were actually in production. You know who's not going to be in line for anything next year? Who's that? Fantasy drafters are not going to be in line to draft who? We should probably do a segment on that. That makes a pretty good segment, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I can think of a few players that uh, are not going to be drafted next season. And uh, and uh, obviously, it, it's, it's early to declare this, but uh, again, ultimately... There's players that once you've been burnt by once, you just you're not going to go back to. Yeah, kind of like have a menu. We're going to make a menu board, right? <laughs> Here are our top selling items. Here are the items from last year that are not going to be repeated, right? Due to poor sales, that's mm -hmm. your Allen Robinsons and stuff like that. And then we'll have your value meals. We can get value meals. That's we'll have to think about that. Maybe that's something we'll look at doing next next summer. It'd be interesting to see uh, what would be our like McRib or what would be our Taco Bell Mexican pizza. Some of those things that uh, regions like crave and long for and then well Devontae they, Adams, they only come back certain times Devonte adams has to be something for taco bell i think he's he's pimping something but see i don't even know what it is he's pimping so um but anyway i guess before we can do any of that and, and on the other side of this we'll go over what we're going to do today but before any of that happens i'm going to throw it over to harley for this week's blitz podcast news thank you steve it is reported that Mike White sought out over a dozen doctors in an attempt to find which one who would declare him healthy enough to play this past Sunday versus the Lions. He did not get cleared for the game, so we can only assume that Zach Wilson paid off all of those doctors. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers released veteran wide receiver Sammy Watkins this morning. Now, raise your hand if you knew that he was still on their roster. Now, also, keep your hand raised if you are lying. Now, drop your hand in shame if you are still holding on to him on your Dynasty roster, knowing that you're going to play him in week one of 2023. <laughs> the referees found themselves, unfortunately, in the limelight once again, costing Minnesota two defensive touchdowns and allowing Keelan Cole to score a TD despite being clearly out of bounds in the Raiders game versus New England. When asked after the game about the Cole touchdown, Devontae Adams said that Cole was out of bounds making that catch. Now, he didn't mean that he was physically out of bounds. He said he was out of bounds because only Devontae Adams is allowed to score touchdowns for Las Vegas. <laughs> Jalen Hurts may miss multiple weeks following a shoulder injury suffered in Sunday's matchup with the Bears. This will allow Gardner Minshew the opportunity to and eventually Waldy Pip. I mean, Tom Brady. I mean, Mike White. Him. <laughs> and finally, 
Jonathan Taylor is out for the season with a high ankle sprain. Fortunately, none of his fantasy owners survived last week's one-snap fiasco to give a rat's beep. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Oh, you know, those last two news bits, I guess we can use that to segue right into Scott Fishbowl. I know you are a Jonathan Taylor owner, and currently you sit in 323rd place, waiting only the results of tonight's Monday night game, because we're recording as the games play tonight. And I sit in 362nd place. Um, I'm done. I don't know if you have any players left. I think you're done, right? Yeah, I had my last players go last okay. night. And I'm sitting in 362. I'm 1101 above the cut line, and you're 1437 above the cut line. I think technically looking at it, we're both safe. Like, there's 500 teams left that, that would be outside on the outside looking in. 27% of them would have to score more than 11.01 points tonight to knock me out. And even a higher percentage would have to do that and score more than 14.37 points to knock you out. So I think just from a number standpoint, we're probably safe. Now, we don't have the ability yeah, to... Yeah, you, you look at the players that are left available in yeah. tonight's game, and obviously not a lot of people have been counting on Los Angeles Rams offensive skill position players for, for a lot of their points in Scott Fishbowl. Now, there may be some teams that have like a stack involving Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson. Uh, those teams might have a chance at, uh, at okay. hitting the 30-point marker uh, as like a high ceiling this, in this game tonight. But I think most of, the player, most of the teams probably have like one guy remaining, and that player... Again, if they aren't Aaron Rodgers, are probably looking at about a ceiling of roughly ten to twelve points. So, yeah, and that's more than more than likely. That's enough to get past me. But twenty-seven percent of the field that's on the outside looking in would need to do that minimally, right? Yeah, and that's the hard part. Again, that's assuming all those teams don't have their whole roster having played already, right? Or most of their roster played, and they only have the one, or that they're not down more than the eleven points. That they're down thirty points or forty points. So I twice and, and realistically, both of us have to be happy with how that we were able to make it through this week. I mean, obviously, yes. uh, I survived. I, I hope to have survived the injury to Jonathan Taylor. I, I also made the mistake of playing uh, Tyler Huntley at quarterback this week instead of going with uh, Geno Smith on the Thursday night game. Uh, Geno finished with uh, just over twenty points, which is kind of his season average. Uh, Thursday night game, you're never really comfortable starting someone because you're always assuming they're going to have a down game. Yeah. It was also a tough matchup, and I thought, well, well, Huntley might run for a few yards at least, and uh, his production just wasn't uh, up to snuff. I think he finished with like 0.6 points for me. Yeah, I had my fourth, I think, worst week of the entire year. I got 3.3 points from not Miles Sanders, not Miles Sanders and <coughs> Deontay Foreman, but Miles Sanders, Deontay Foreman, and Alec Pierce. I got a combined 3.3 points from, and I scored my fourth worst score of the year. And early in the first quarter yesterday, maybe even midway through the second quarter, my quarterback had something like minus seven points. However, Jalen Hurts was able to save me with 27.7 point effort. Um, I did start Justin Fields over Geno, which I debated. And, you know, for a while there, I was like, man, I wish I had Geno's 20 points already rather than sitting here sweating this out. Um, but yet, yeah, not having Hurts if he doesn't play this week. You know what? Maybe it's a blessing in disguise, honestly. Dallas got a tough defense. It's in Dallas. I think this could be a lower-scoring game. Maybe this is the ability, gives me the ability to start Fields and, and Geno and not have to worry, like, I have to start Hurts. But then I lose that upside, of course. Um, 
and you're going to need a big week this week. You're going to have to. We talked about it. I think we got to score yeah, somewhere. We're going from 500 down to 30. Yeah. I mean, talk about it like a uh, an axe cutting across. I mean, the, the guillotine crush is coming down here. Yeah. This is like if you ever like tried to cut a piece of wood or something. You're cutting through, and all of a sudden there's like this one little strand that's holding the whole thing together. We're, the strand is what's going through in this. Um, and we think you're going to need like a combined 350 to 370 points to make that cut this week. So carrying your average through plus whatever you have to do this week. So for me, I think my average is right around 165 to 167, 68. Might go down a hit after scoring 154 this week. So I'm probably looking that I need to score 200 and, you know, 200 plus points more than likely for me to get through. So it's well, going to take big as great as it is that, uh, that we've both made it through into the top 500 in the playoffs here. I, I think uh, particularly this time of year, it's, it's really important to remember that, well, there are hundreds of analysts and hundreds of fans and whatnot that are involved in this, including some celebrities. But ultimately this is coming down to the fact that this is a tournament for charity. Yes. Uh, Scott Fishbowl raising uh, consistently over ten, oh, five figures, I should say. Uh, for Toys for Tots uh, locally here and other charities all across the country. So, uh, again, huge shout-out and thank you to Scott Fish for all he does with this. Uh, certainly, uh, he he doesn't have to do this. He, he does this uh, basically a, a, as, a, as a good deed. Yep. I mean, he puts all this time and effort into this, and it, it's a remarkably amazing thing he does. And, uh, again, I, I know because I've seen uh, some of the – photos of some of the uh, products he's picked up and toys he's picked up to donate and the trucks full of uh, goods that were, that were donated this season along with previous seasons. So it's it's great to see the the real reason why we're all involved in this, which is, of course, to, to help out uh, charities across the country. If you put all the receipts for all the purchases of toys that he's made end to end, I bet you it's longer than what a listing of all the drop ads would be for all the leagues across Scott Fishbowl. Well, you haven't seen my transaction list. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there too, man. I've been there too. I, I my, my transaction list looks like a CVS receipt. <laughs> For one thing, you buy one thing and the CVS receipt's three and a half feet long, right? <laughs> exactly. Pack of gum, three and a half feet worth of receipt tape. All right, so here's what we're going to do tonight. Um, we're going to talk a little Scottish fishbowl. Oh, we just did that. Uh, and the next thing we're going to do is we're going to give you a double helping of uh, – we gave you double helping for – for Thanksgiving. So I guess for Christmas, we're going to give you two presents. How's that? We're going to give you two DFS gifts. Um, we're going to do a Saturday slate and a Sunday slate. Well, I don't know about you, but in my family growing up, traditionally we would open up a gift on Christmas Eve. Yes. And then we'd open our remaining gifts on Christmas Day. So it's kind of like this here, although most of our gifts are being opened on Christmas Eve this year because that's where most of the games are being played. And it's only a three-game slate on Sunday, Christmas Day. But much like this past weekend, that means we'll be able to sit there and watch football all day on Sunday, which is kind of nice. Yes, it is, actually. And, no, my, my family did the same. Um, I don't know if it was because it was tradition or because us kids just continually bugged, but we were always allowed to open up one gift. I'm sure that was part of it, yes. Yeah, and it's just to, to save them from having to take a couple extra Tylenol or something. Or I don't know if it had to do with the fact that I was Italian and it was an Italian thing. I never quite knew, but sounds like that's not the case because I don't think oh, you're Italian. For me, it was because I wanted to open the giant USS flag that was saying wrapped poorly behind the tree and I knew it what it was because of the size of the package was so huge. I wanted to get that open and, and put it all together. Uh, so I inevitably would just have it sit there for the next like six months and not really do anything with it. But gotcha. again, it was a huge place set. So you, you want to get to it. Right. There you go. 
All right, let's do it. Let's move to Saturday first. Um, you want to send over under? Four We're going to do the uh, over for the full set or for each one individually. Let's do both. Why don't you do both? Okay, the over for the full set is fifteen. Fifteen. And for Saturday, we've got seven. We've got eight on Sunday. Fifteen. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, there's 24 of them. That's a pretty big match rate. Limited, yes. Limited player pools. I'm going to take the over on the overall. Okay. And uh, I'll take the over on both of them. Screw it. Okay. And for what it's worth, if I was going to take an under, it was actually going to be on the Saturday slate. But we're going to, I think that would have been the one to do, yes. We're going to do it now. Let's see. All right. Let it rip. Take us off on <coughs> Saturday at quarterback. Who are you paying up for? I, I think it's pretty safe to pay up for the highest-priced guy on the board, and that's Josh Allen at Chicago. Uh, the only potential issue would be as if there's any weather conditions, as Allen has proven over and over again by playing most of well, all of his career in Buffalo. Uh, oftentimes in bad weather, he is capable of doing lots and lots of good stuff, even if the weather's bad. Uh, he's going to replicate the throttling that Philly did to Chicago last weekend. I think he's going to score both on the ground and through the air, much like uh, while Hertz scored all of his touchdowns on the ground last week. I think that Allen will throw for a couple as well, making him the best play overall. So um, we don't match. I, I have no problem with what you said about Josh Allen. He's $100 more and $300 more than Pat Mahomes. Yep. Um, Mahomes is at home. Allen's on the road. Mahomes is a tick cheaper, so I went with Patty as my pay-up, honestly. And I, I have no problem with that, too. I actually weighed back and forth the two options there. And, uh, again, you've got two horrible defenses uh, facing off against Chicago and, again, at home versus Seattle. Uh, both of them will actually be very, very good in there. And as you said, Patrick is a little bit cheaper. Yeah. All right. Who are you staying away from? <clears throat> well, um, I thought about Jalen Hurts until news came out early, uh, earlier this afternoon that there's a good chance he's going to be out for at least this week, if not multiple weeks, with his shoulder injury. So I decided to settle on another high-priced running quarterback with a shoulder problem, and that's Justin Fields. In that very same game versus Buffalo, 7500 on DraftKings, 7800 on FanDuel. Uh, his price is just playing out too expensive for the extreme lack of weapons he has to throw to. They, they lost Equinemius St. Brown mid-game last week. Uh, they're basically down to Cole Komet and Byron Pringle. Uh, and the uh, 27-year-old Bellis Jones, uh, it, it's not pretty there. Uh, Fields is going to have to rely on his running to do anything in this game. Maybe dump the ball off to David Montgomery. And Montgomery, actually, I kind of like this week because Buffalo has been been bad against opposing running backs, particularly pass-catching running backs of late. So if, if you need a, a sneaky pivot play at the running back position, I don't think I really want to pay up for him as like my running back one, but he's one of those guys that's kind of in between the value play yeah. and pay-up range at mm -hmm. running back that you might be able to segue in there and get limited ownership on at least. So I, I did my picks prior to the news on Hertz. So I had Hertz written down. Of course, I know that he's out, so I'm not, or 99% looks like he's going to be out, so I'm not going to use him. 
Um, and like you, I pivoted to fields. So I was going to say, if we're off on this, we need to get we should take a half match, right? But um, yes, we still match. So I almost think we should get one and a half in case we push. How's that? I, I have no problem with that. Uh, and and I would like to say too, um, other than Allen and Mahomes, all of the high priced quarterbacks have issues this week. Hurts, yes. like I said, sounds like it's going to be out. Fields is playing with a short a sore shoulder. And with no weapons, Lamar Jackson still likely out. Joe Burrow is facing a New England defense in New England. Uh, Burrow looked really sloppy in the first half of the Cincinnati game this past weekend, although he certainly came back around throwing for four touchdowns in the second half. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, at home is facing the Giants. The Giants actually have a better-than-expected secondary this season. So, again, at that high price, it's hard to go with him. And Dak Prescott, he's also at home, but he's facing that vaunted Philadelphia secondary. So, not a whole lot to love. And the next highest price guy is Deshaun Watson on the road in Cleveland. I mean, I'm sorry, at home versus New Orleans, which, uh, right. again, good secondary there. So you got to go all the way down to the 10th highest price guy in DraftKings, uh, Geno Smith, to have the next playable option at quarterback besides Allen and Mahomes. Yep. Don't disagree with you there. Um, so who's your value play wind up being, though? Well, also, I thought about Geno Smith, obviously, because broke it down right there, but. I decided to go one step lower, and I'm going to go in that Minnesota game with Daniel Jones. 5,600 on DraftKings, 7,400 on FanDuel. The 7,400 on FanDuel seems a little bit high for him, but the Vikings are just downright awful against the pass. I mean, and and realistically, the, one of their biggest struggles is with mobile running quarterbacks. Uh, guys like Jalen Hurts earlier this year, uh, Dak Prescott, who's not known as a running, running quarterback like he, he may have been when he was younger, but he still runs the ball a little bit there. Uh, this game's going to be played indoors, so you don't have to worry about any weather conditions. Uh, and Jones, I mean, he's actually got a couple of weapons to throw the ball to now. Uh, uh, not that kind of shaking things out, and Kenny Galladay's off the radar. We're starting to see Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, and Darius Slayton has actually developed into a reliable wide receiver one for them. So he's got weapons, plus he's got Saquon to dump the ball off to, too. Yeah, um, not a bad pick. <clears throat> I went cheaper, though. You know me. I wanted to go cheaper. Um, I don't really like a lot of the options at quarterbacks this week, quite honestly. You named all the ones that are tough, that are high priced. There's a lot of those mid range guys that don't have great all, matchups either. All the high, all the mid price guys, I thought were kind of shady price. So, <laughs> so I went all the way down to. I feel dirty for it, but he's playing at home and he's playing a defense that's been rather friendly to the quarterback spot. Sam Darnold to bounce back. Oh, uh, again. I asked earlier people to raise their hand if they had still had <laughs> Sammy Watkins on their team. Ra- raise your hand if you actually played DJ Moore this past week and, exactly. and got the count as touchdown. No one did. Nope. Nope, they didn't. They'll be chasing it this week probably. Um, yeah, it's just – man, Detroit's been great. They're a great story. They've won, what, six of seven or something <clears throat> like that. And But their defense still is fantasy-friendly to the quarterback spot. So – at fifty one hundred, and he's a lot cheaper on on the other site at what sixty four hundred, I think he is. Yep. Um, you know, sixty seven hundred. Sixty seven hundred. You know, yep. I, I don't disagree that I don't dislike, you know, Daniel Jones's play, but price wise, I just feel like I'll save the money and we can spend it somewhere else. Yeah, again, I'm just looking at those uh, again. The, the guys below Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, uh, Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Uh, he's at home, but he's facing Washington. Not the best matchup. Nope. Uh, Jared Goff is facing Carolina's secondary, which is very good. Yep. Uh, Tyler Huntley's got a good matchup against Atlanta, but he really kind of pooped the bed this past weekend, so I don't know if to trust him. Ryan yep. Tannehill's dinged up. He might not play against Houston. Ta- Taylor Heineke, 
uh, on the road in San Francisco. No, thank you. Yep. Andy Dalton uh, against Cleveland. You can run the ball against Cleveland, but you can't throw the ball against Cleveland. Something like that. Uh, yep. I almost sold on Davis Mills. <laughs> in a but of course, share. if you start Davis Mills, they're going to play Jeff Driscoll at the goal line and have him get all the touchdowns. So you right. can't really count on that either. And I thought about Mac Jones. <clears throat> um, but I think that's going to be a lower scoring game too. The problem with Tyler Huntley is I don't think that they've announced whether or not Lamar Jackson's coming back this week or not. And there's a chance. So yes. if he if he's back, okay, I might feel better about playing Huntley, but I don't think it I think he's going to be back and there's but I won't feel good about playing him on his first week back. So I kind of looked at that as a, just an avoid situation, quite honestly. So, well, At least we don't have to worry about Anthony X. Brown starting this week at quarterback for them. That is true. Well, we're not looking good for the over already because we only got one and a half. Yes, I'm taking that half on the, on the <coughs> stage. Who are you going to pay up for at the running back spot? I think we have a match here. Um, I think that it should be pretty obvious to play as Derrick Henry versus Houston. He's 8,600 on DraftKings, 9,800 on FanDuel. Uh, get this line. Over his last four contests against the Houston Texans, Henry has posted 953 yards and nine <laughs> touchdowns. That is nearly 240 total yards per game and more than two total touchdowns per game. And Houston stinks against a running game this year. Yes. Yeah, we match. Okay. Fair. <laughs> 953 in four games. That's that, crazy. That's absolutely. That sounds like <clears throat> that sounds like a college guy's, you know, stat line. Yeah, I mean, the, realistically, yeah, this is. I mean, there's some running backs that don't post nine fifty three and nine for the season. Season, yes. as, as like running back ones. This is four games for Henry versus Houston. Yeah, that's crazy. I think we're going to have an easy stay <clears throat> here too. You staying away from? Uh, if I'm paying up for the second price, highest price guy, I got to stay away from the highest price guy. On DraftKings, that's Christian McCaffrey. He's 8,800. He's actually less expensive on FanDuel than Henry at only 9,400. But only five running backs have topped 15 point per reception points against Washington. And that's really the reason you like McCaffrey is because he gets all those passes. And and realistically, he's probably going to have to with Samuel still out and with uh, Brock Purdy at the helm. They're probably going to dump the ball off to him enough. But again, five out of the uh, 13 uh, running back ones to face Washington – have not reached that 15-point mark. And with McCaffrey, you need him to hit 30 points, so you're not even getting half of what you need to get. Yeah, it's to me, that seems like just a no-brainer. <clears throat> I mean, Purdy's been pretty good so far, but at some point you yes. have to wonder when that Purdy shine's going to you know, tarnish a bit. Um, it helps that they're in San Francisco, but Washington's defense is underrated, I think. Um, I definitely don't think there'll be much running-wise. Well, they're, they're elite against the run. They're, they're yeah. not just underrated. They, they are actually elite against the yeah. run. Yeah, they've got some studs in, on that team. Um, they may not have a pass rush right now, but they definitely can stop yeah. the run and, and defend them against running backs. So. All right, I think that there's a chance we could sweep the running back spot, which would be really interesting because I don't think we've ever done that, and if so, it's only been a couple of times probably. Who is your value play at running back? Well, there's an absurdly low-priced guy here that shouldn't be this low based on his performance the last three weeks. Uh, DraftKings should have adjusted his price by now, and they have not. Uh, he's at 5,900 on DraftKings. He's he's up to 7,300 on FanDuel, which is uh, right about where he should be on both sites, and that's Jarek McKinnon versus Seattle. Seven different teams running back core have topped 25 PPR points against Seattle this season. Seven. McKinnon will split some of his touches with Isaiah Pacheco once again, but that combination will combine for 25 points. If you get McKinnon the touchdown, 
he's going to get the lion's share of those points. Dang, we don't match, but I thought for a second I actually thought you were describing the guy that I had. Um, <laughs> I, I saved a little money. I went a little cheaper, honestly. Um, they're probably the two best plays, though, under $6,000 that you can get. Um, you went with J.K. Dobbins. I did not. I did not. Oh. Okay, so then we'll say there's three. Um, I went with Devin Singletary. A um, couple reasons. He's 5400 so his price is right. Um, you can run on Chicago. Yes. However, the Eagles did not run on Chicago this past week, and I think that that will poison people to not realize how good of a running matchup this really is. And I think he's going to have yeah, lower ownership. Yeah, realistically, I actually kind of looked at even James Cook yeah, as that, an option. Well, that's who I was going to first, quite honestly, because I was like, well, let's see. But Cook isn't that much cheaper to make me feel like, oh, I'm going to take the guy that I think is going to clearly lead this backfield, uh, and I'll pay the $500 more. Um, and the well, he is a lot more. He's thirteen hundred more or eleven hundred dollars more on Vandal versus DraftKings. But I expected Singletary to be closer to that six thousand, like that fifty eight, fifty nine hundred range that you got Dobbins and McKinnon in. Quite honestly, so to me, it seems like he's got a discount built in, and I think it's a pretty good matchup. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So I, I seriously looked at James Cook as as my uh, sleeper uh, value play here and. I'll, I'll definitely have exposure to both of those guys in my laps this week, too. There you go. All right, let's <coughs> let's hit it for the wide receiver spot. Who are you going to pay up for at wide receiver? Wide receiver was uh, a little bit tougher. I think there's more options that made some sense at wide receiver. But I decided, you know what, I'm paying up for my highest-priced quarterback. I'm going to stack him with the highest uh, with his number one receiver. Not the highest-priced guy, but his number one receiver, and that's Stephon Diggs. Uh, on the road in Chicago. Seven of the last 10 wide receiver ones to face Chicago have topped 15 PPR points. Five of those 10 have topped 20 PPR points against Chicago. So, so we have a match. Remember, I, I said I was paying up for Pat and not paying up for Josh because I wanted to save a couple hundred bucks, right? Um, yes. But I still wanted a piece of that game. So for me, paying up for Diggs there as, as the top wide receiver makes sense. So if I'm not going to have the quarterback, I'll at least have his main guy that's going to be getting it, and hopefully, you know, I get the same production from Pat with a slight discount. Again, I'm not overly worried about the weather there potentially this weekend in Chicago. Uh, realistically, snow has not been a huge factor against Diggs or Allen historically. Uh, the only possible uh, concern would be is if there's extreme winds. Again, that's something to watch out for uh, come Saturday or Sunday to watch the uh, weather reports to see. What the wind like? What the wind's going to be like there in Chicago for that game? But again, I'm not concerned about snow or cold being a factor for either of them. <clears throat> I would agree with that. Um, I had trouble with my stay away initially um, because initially I didn't think Jalen Hurts was going to be out, right? Um, yes. So I'm going to let you say yours, but I'm going to tell you that first who I had plugged in, and then had to really look at it a little closer. I actually went all the way down to Devon, to um, Terry McLaurin and, and was going to say, I'm staying, staying away from Terry McLaurin on the road in San Francisco. I just don't think that's a good spot for Heineke and that passing offense. Well, I assume then what you meant to say is that you segued over to A.J. Brown yes. uh, at on the road in Dallas going up against Trayvon Diggs. And uh, I'm just going to take it one step higher. and I'm, I'm going to give us a half point because I put down stay away from Brown. Uh, being both A.J. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, 
because he's going to be at Carolina. And J.C. Horn has actually done a very good job of limiting the effectiveness of opponents' top wide receivers against Carolina. On the season, he has allowed only 23 receptions in his uh, coverage. And they've only targeted him uh, as a defensive back only 42 times all season. That's an average of three targets per week. Although he did miss two weeks, so I guess it's a little bit higher than that. But uh, only 23 receptions allowed by Horn all season. And I've got to assume that Horn is going to be the primary shadower of St. Brown. But again, for those same reasons, I'm not playing uh, the other Brown, AJ, against Dallas, who is going to be facing off against Trayvon Diggs, again, with Gardner Minshew, who has certainly shown that he can be a decent passing quarterback. And again, I think that they're going to have to throw the ball to stay in the game against Dallas. So there's a chance, if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably go with AJ over Amon Ra, but I don't really like playing either of them. In fact, I think if that was the case, I'd probably segue to Devonta Smith, who's cheaper than both of them. Yes to get some exposure to Minshew's throwing. I would agree, but I do think we're going to see a heavy run attack um, in Philly <laughs> this weekend. They've got the offensive line to do it. I think you do that, it shortens the game. It makes less reliance on Minshew, hopefully limits the amount of times that Dak can throw an interception. Um, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Dude, can, can we have an over on how many times we see Minshew twirling his mustache on the TV during the game? Um... 6.9. I like that. That That's almost as much as we'd see the wife of Kurt Warner during his heyday. There you go. Um, okay. So we'll take a half point. As far as your value play, what are we looking like at value play this week? Uh, I mentioned my value play earlier on, and I'm stacking my value play receiver with my value play quarterback, Daniel Jones, against Minnesota. I'm going to go with Isaiah Hodgins. Minnesota really has a hard time covering big-bodied wide receivers, and that's def- definitely Hodgins' build. He's six foot four. Uh, he's actually been performing really well over the last month for the Giants. He's really developed into that number two option opposite Darius Slayton on the outside, allowing them to run Richie James out of the slot. And again, he he is the biggest receiver for the Giants as far as guy who's going to command that. And this past weekend. We saw a big-bodied receiver, Michael Pittman, go for a huge game against the Vikings. And what's crazy about that particular game is, well, Pittman is also 6, I believe he's 6-1 versus 6-4 for Hodgins. But he was being covered by uh, this uh, guy who was a cut from the Chicago Bears this past season, Duke Shelley. Now, they showed the two together in one picture. Duke Shelley is like five foot eight. He was covering the outside receiver on that side of the field, and... He actually did good. He, he did good considering what he was forced to deal with. But it was like the pictures that you see on the Sports Illustrated cover a few years ago where it was Aaron Judge standing next to Jose Altuve with Pittman standing next to Duke Shelley. So he's going to be looking up at a guy even taller than Pittman this week. Muggsy Bogues and Manute Bowl. Exactly. Show my age now. Well, we're not going to have a match. Um, I'm, I'm chasing points, kind of. How's that? I'm just going to tell you the first name, the last name, and see if you get the first name. More. I want more. <laughs> Please, uh, may I have some more? Uh, well, here's the thing. I, I hope you're implying that you're chasing Chris Moore and not DJ Moore, because, yes. again, as we mentioned earlier, y- you hate to chase DJ Moore points. Yes. I thought that, that, that you might think I was chasing DJ Moore points because he had more points. But Chris Moore kind of let us down. He got a four for 42, and then there was nothing else. Um, I'm going back to the well. It's still a good matchup. I'm going back to the well. He's my value play this week. Can someone please explain to me, though, 
how Tennessee managed to keep Justin Herbert from throwing any passing touchdowns this past weekend. Yeah, I don't know. He, he was arguably my top quarterback play of the weekend, and I, I had extreme exposure to him. Thankfully, it didn't matter. I actually did well enough without him in, in the other games. But, I mean, jeez, Louise, come on, man. Can can you tell me, as a Minnesotan, can you tell me what happened to K.J. Osborne? Was somebody else wearing his jersey? What what was that? Uh, well, uh, over the last three years, K.J. Osborne has actually developed into a reliable slot receiver. Uh, Kirk Cousins really trusts him, particularly on third down to uh, extend plays. And the team has kind of segued away a little bit from uh, Adam Thielen over the last nine months or so. And, and Thielen really, I don't think Thielen was targeted at all in the first half of the game because they were force-feeding the ball to K.J. Osborne in those same situations. Uh, ultimately, Thielen did end up scoring in the second half, and he did command a few catches there. But yeah, it was a huge game for Osborne. It was a breakthrough game. There's some question marks about whether or not Thielen will take a pay cut once again to come back next season. I assume he probably will because of the local angle. But either way, I think we've seen now over the course of this past year and a half that K.J. Osborne is the wide receiver, two well, in Minnesota for next season, not Adam Thielen. And believe it or not, K.J. Osborne is on my waiver wire in Scott Fishbowl, and I'm contemplating— He shouldn't be. He know, should not be. I know he should not <laughs> be. I'm contemplating, do I put him in my lineup, though? Because I get him. I'm going to be the only person that, that gets past the cut line, I think, in my league, so I don't even have to pay for him. I just pick him up. But— do you start both Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne in the semis? You know what I mean? Like that's the part I got to think about. I think you can do that in the in the semis of a league like that. You, you can't do that in DFS against the Giants. So no, that's for sure. That's for sure. <coughs> All right, so we got one and a half match. I think you said there, right? Yes. Okay, so we got one and a half match. Let's go on over to the tight end spot. I definitely think we're going to match right off the bat at tight end. Um, we need to. Who are you paying up for a tight end? Well, so this is one of the situations where I, I played your strategy, basically. Oh, I'm, Harley. I, I'm paying I'm up, up for Mark Andrews versus Atlanta. I, I absolutely love Kelsey versus Seattle, and that's a, a blow-up spot, too. But Atlanta is almost as bad against the position as Seattle, and Andrews is 75% of Kelsey's salary. <laughs> <sighs> you just messed us up. You messed us up. Yes, <coughs> I'm paying up for Kelsey because at $8,000, he's the only guy that you can technically say you're paying up for. Um, all right, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little more about that in a minute. Who are you staying away from? I'm going to not chase points. I'm going to stay away from George Kittle versus Washington. He's 5300 on DraftKings. He's actually higher priced than Andrews on FanDuel at 7000 uh, only one tight end has posted a reasonable line against Washington this season. It was TJ Hawkinson with the Vikings. And only two different tight ends have scored against Washington this year. Now, one of them was Dallas Goddard. He scored twice against them. But still, you, you've got three touchdowns allowed to the tight end position by Washington. Uh, only one player, again, allowed more than 70 yards against them from a tight end position. Uh, stay away from George Kill. Don't chase those two touchdowns, even with Purdy still at the helm. All right, we have a match. Um, I'm staying away from George Kittle also, all good reasons. I'm not going to ask you who your value play is yet because I'm going to tell you mine is. <coughs> okay. My, my value play is Mark Andrews. <laughs> unless, I like it. Unless, and there's a caveat, <laughs> unless Lamar Jackson's out, then I'm pivoting to TJ Hawkinson. Okay. I actually like both of those plays. Uh, and again, I, I don't even mind if it's, if it's Tyler Huntley at the helm. 
if it, if it's uh, if it's Andrew X Brown or whatever, I probably wouldn't play Andrews. But uh, uh, my value play is a guy I've been riding the last couple of weeks to success, and that's uh, Chigozia McConkwu versus Houston. Since week 12, Okonkwo leads Tennessee in basically every single receiving stat category. Receptions, targets, receiving yards, TDs. And Houston, well, they've allowed 19 catches and 223 yards to the position over the last two weeks. So they're primed to give up another big game here. Again, Tennessee's really the only reliable receiver right now for them is, is Okonkwo, and I really like to play here. Don't say it. I, I can't say I disagree. Um, but, of course, we don't match. And we hit on six because of the half points that we gave ourselves. Um, so the under hit, not the over. I lose. Well, now we need it. We need big here on the uh, Sunday slate, which is again a much smaller group of players to choose from. So it's certainly possible. Yes, and I need to get to my Sunday slate numbers so that I can reference them <laughs> because you sent them later in the day. Um, I did because somebody. And now uh, for for our listeners too, uh, we're recording this on Monday evening. Uh, and unfortunately, as of right now, FanDuel has not published their Sunday-only slate prices yet for this coming week. So, again, pay attention uh, later this week. Uh, we'll have a special edition of the Daily Dominator at huddle.com, which is going to break down uh, the Sunday slate by itself, uh, in addition to our normal coverage of the main slate, which this week will be on Saturday. Uh, so if you're interested in playing that Sunday-only slate, again, uh, tune in uh, to the Daily Dominator this coming week. Uh, we will have a special posting on thehuddle.com for just those games, too. All right. Let me just say, I don't like the Sunday slate at all. Um, it's, but, it's pretty ugly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's damn ugly. Um, and <coughs> it's damn ugly. Okay. Um, okay. At the quarterback spot, who are you going to pay up for? I think there's only one quarterback worth paying up for on the board, and that's Tua versus Green Bay. He's $7,000. Uh, yeah. There's not going to be any weather there. He's got Jalen uh, Waddle back healthy. He's got Tyree Kill. Uh, it, it's the really the only offense that I really truly trust on this slate is, is Miami's offense, and he's just happens to be the highest-priced guy too. You know what it's like? It's like if this wasn't the Christmas Day game, it'd be like the, the New Year's Day game where yeah. – the entire lot, okay, everybody went out drinking, and Tua was the, the designated driver. He's the only one that's not hung over in this bunch, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, we match. I take Tua also to pay up. Which could conceivably make him also my stay away because of that exact reason Yeah, to get some variance. But uh, I'm not going to, although I do warn people that he's probably going to be 78 to 80% owned on the, on the millionaire slate on Sunday. So... You may want to pivot down to some of the guys we mentioned as our value play, uh, but the guy I'm staying away from this week, um, it, it should be fairly obvious because uh, we don't know if Russell Wilson is going to play or not. So I kind of skipped over him. Yep. If Russell Wilson plays, I'm not playing him. But I'm going to stay away from Baker Mayfield versus Denver. Uh, Denver shuts down every quarterback they face. If you take out Geno Smith in week one, and Patrick Mahomes a couple of weeks ago, they've allowed eight passing touchdowns the rest of the season. So initially, we would not have matched because the first name I wrote down was honestly Tom Brady because he's just, I'm sorry, he's not been good of late, right? Yeah. Um, at $6,100, that's put him on a regular slate at $6,100. You might look at him differently, but on a short slate like this, I was like, yeah, got to stay away from Brady. There's no way. But... When you talk about pivoting off a of Tua, Brady could make some sense. 
Um, I actually landed on Baker, too, and I looked at it this way. Maybe Santa brings Tom some fountain of youth, and he, that's the present he opens the night before Christmas, um, and it helps him. I guess you won't be getting that from Giselle. No, not from her. That's not. That's definitely not coming. He may get something else from her, but that's not it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm staying away from Baker, too. I, you know, that one drive, it was crazy. Yeah, he's had more time to learn, but he's still Baker. And Denver's still Denver on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be a lower-scoring game no matter what, I think, right? So I oh, think totally. he's definitely an easy stay away when you take out the injury stuff around Russell Wilson and Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley and, and stuff like that. So Exactly. So who does that make your value play this week? Well, I, I thought about uh, Tom Brady, actually, but I sold on Aaron Rodgers, the only other name among the starters here at Miami. Uh, only four teams have allowed more passing touchdowns than Miami. And since week two, Rodgers has multiple passing touchdowns in all but three games. So he's actually been performing league average, which may seem bad for Aaron Rodgers. But on a small slate like this, he's $1,100 cheaper than Tua. And like I said, you might want to pivot off of Tua because of the fact that everyone's going to own Tua. So maybe you go with Rodgers as the second or third safest option here, knowing that Miami does give up points. Yeah, we match. I have Rodgers as my value play also. <coughs> I just don't see another safe play on the card, basically. Yeah, it's, it's really him or maybe Brett Rippon or maybe yeah. uh, Tom. But, that yeah, I, I don't trust Trace McSorley at all. Uh, even if Colt plays, I don't trust him in that matchup. Right, exactly. Exactly. Okay, running back. Did you find it any easier over here at running back? I think I did. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I think we're going to match on this pay-up play to end the stay away pretty easily here. Uh I'm going to pay up once again for the highest-priced guy on the board. That's Aaron Jones at Miami. Uh, it's, it's an easy enough matchup for him since week eight. Only Houston and Chicago have failed to gouge Miami with their backfields. Every other team to face them has seen multiple running backs go off against them. So <laughs> playing Aaron Jones here is, it should be fairly simple. So that's not the first name I wrote down, believe it or not. Because um, I you know, looked in the whole list, I was like, oh, I bet you he's going to have a whole hell of a lot of ownership, and this guy's not. So I'm going to be coy, and I'm going to play this guy for. And I was like, no, I can't do it. I got to cross him out. Got to go with AJ. Um, but I wrote Raheem Mostert down first, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe he's a pivot. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But I wound up going back. Oh, I, I think he's a pivot. The only reason I didn't choose him is because we don't know the stats of Jeff Wilson. If Wilson comes back, I think they might split some carries again. So. And yes, that's another part of it, also. Correct. Um, so yeah, we matched there with AJ. <coughs> Um, and you have to worry that Dylan could siphon some stuff, but I still think it's a great matchup for AJ. Again, though, multiple running backs have done good against Miami since week eight. So right. yeah. it, it's not just Jones. I mean, if you need a value play, consider Dylan as a value play even. But Or again, if you just want to have exposure to that offense without right. taking the chalk play, which is going to be Jones. Stack the stack. Stack the running back stack. All right. I think we'll definitely match on our stay away. The stay away is going to be the second highest priced guy on the board, and that's James Conner versus Tam- Tampa Bay. Tampa is absolutely elite against the run. Uh, and and Conner is going to be facing multiple stacked fronts if Trace McSorley is forced to start. Yeah, and that's not music to my ears because he's one of my top three running backs for Scott Fishbowl. Um, I mean, with, John, with Conner all season, basically, you're hoping for a touchdown. 50 yards uh, and a uh, fall over the plane for a touchdown anyway so yep four four maybe three or four cat four catches for you know 23 yards and, and like i said 45 to 55 yards and a touchdown will do it um but yeah I, i'm not paying i'm not playing him in dfs at seven thousand dollars 
that's dead. The price is just absurd for him there compared to, like I said, $500 more for Jones. Yep. Okay. Value play. Let's see if we can sweep. We, we might have a sweep here. Uh, we, we swept the quarterback. We might sweep the running back, too, here. And uh, there were two guys I really considered. Okay. Uh, I, I mentioned already that I thought about A.J. Dillon, but he was not one of my serious considerations. I, I'm looking predominantly at the Denver Rams game, uh, either playing Cam Akers or Latavius Murray. I settled on Latavius. Uh, five of the last eight teams to face the Rams have allowed a running back to top 15 PPR points. And I think that's kind of the target you're shooting for when his price tag is 5,600. You're looking for right around 15 to 16 PPR points on DraftKings. And that's exactly what you're going to get. Three times value at a cheap price allows you to fit some of the higher priced options in on what's otherwise a very low price slate. Well, 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 we didn't sweep, unfortunately. Um, I went a little bit lower. I don't dislike the play at all, honestly. I really don't. Um, I went, and let me let me reset my thing here so I get the right numbers. Let's see if my computer doesn't screw this up on me. Um, of course it did. No, it didn't. Okay, yeah. I went with Rashad White, which, of course, okay, is it him or is it, it going to be Lenny, right, who's going to get the most play? I think both of them get a fair amount of play this week. And Arizona on the season is number one in points allowed to the running back spot. Let me see. Am I, am I misquoting myself here? No, I'm, I'm misquoting. Sorry. Arizona is eight from week 11 through 14 in allowing points to the um, fantasy running back spot. And I think they're 11 season to date. I won one in my head and said one out loud for some stupid reason. Um, don't love it. Don't hate it. I don't think we'll have much ownership. I think he makes a solid value play though this week on a short well, I think that's going to be an interesting stack if you decide to go the alternate route and, and go heavy stacking on Tampa Bay. Put Tom Brady in there. Put yeah. Either White or Fournette, and make 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 up a lineup with both of them, not with both of them, but make one lineup up with one. White, make one lineup up with Fournette, and then put a couple of those receivers in there too. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so we got two out of the three there. Nine, we nine. might talk about some of those receivers coming up here. Oh, <coughs> hope not. <laughs> hope not. Not for the over. The over hopes not. Hopes not. Okay. Okay. Well, who, who are you going to pay up for at wide receiver? Uh, I'm not paying up for one of those receivers. I, I'm paying up for Tyreek Hill stacked with Tua. Uh, 8300 on DraftKings uh, is not the correct price for him because he did not get updated for some reason on my computer. Uh, the price for Tyreek Hill is 9000 on DraftKings, which is very high. But he is my pay-up wide receiver. Hill remains bested by only Justin Jefferson in receptions, receiving yards, and targets among the wide receiver position this season. He's also remained reliable while both Tua and Waddle have struggled lately during Waddle's injury. Uh, Green Bay has only faced six alpha wide receiver ones this season, and all have gone absolutely ham against them. So Tyreek is in for a huge game. So I settled on Hill also. I almost decided to, to, to save $1,800 and go down to Jalen Waddle, but I was like, nah, if, the guys, if there's a guy that's going to hit three to four times value, it's Tyreek Hill. <coughs> Well, I said we might talk about those Tampa Bay receivers. Okay. We're going to start talking about them right now. I say I'm staying away from Mike Evans at Arizona. He's 6,200. Only five wide receiver ones have topped 15 PPR points this season versus Arizona. To start the season, they were elite against the wide receiver one position. They've started to slip a little bit of late. But here's the key thing here. Five have topped 15 PPR points. Debo Samuel is the only wide receiver one to top 18 points against the position. 
Now, if you want to get three times value at 6,200, you need 18 points. And only one guy, and that's Debo Samuel, topped that marker. And how much of that was actually because of the receiving end? Exactly. Well, it was, it was inflated by a touchdown. I know that much. Right. And I'm sure he had a few carries. Um, we don't match on the stay away. I don't dislike it at all, honestly. Um, but I'm staying away from the second highest price guy on the board when I'm not sure who his quarterback's going to be. And that's DeAndre <coughs> Hopkins, especially since Colt is dealing with a concussion. And I do think we're going to see Trace McSorley. So, yeah, I'm not getting anywhere near DeAndre Hopkins this week. Yes. Well, so I mentioned Tampa Bay. Yep. Tampa Bay is my value play this week, though, at wide receiver, and that's Russell Gage. He's 3,700, which seems like a misprint. With Julio Jones out, Gage has really started to perform, scoring three times over the last two weeks. If you go back to earlier this season when Julio Jones was out, he had a huge game, uh, a game and a half, I should say, while Julio was out in weeks three and four as well. So all signs are pointing to Jones missing another game here. So go ahead and roll out Gage at 3,700. You're going to save some money there. So we don't have a match. I, I absolutely love that play, honestly. And maybe I was being too coy with what my value play was. Um, but he's right below Mike, Mike Evans. I'm making Christian Watson at $6,000 my value play. Yeah, he, he's got to be a staple of your lineups. Again, on a short slate like this, uh, either Watson or Lazard has to be in your lineup, uh, assumedly as your wide receiver two behind you, whichever Miami receiver you decide to roster as wide receiver one in. Again, with, with question marks at the running back position and the tight end position on this slate, you probably will find yourself pulling your flex from the wide receiver position as well. So, again, you might want to have uh, one of your Green Bay receivers, one of your Tampa Bay receivers, and one of your Miami receivers, and then throw something in, maybe a Van Jefferson or a Ben Skoranek, to try to get a little bit of exposure from the Rams. Uh, I'm guessing that Jefferson's going to be shadowed by uh, Patrick Sertan, so I'd probably choose Skoranek, who's going to be operating the Cooper Cup role a little bit more in that game. Yeah. yeah, I don't hate that. All right, so here's the deal. If my math is right, which it's not always right, um, I have us at 12. We're at 7. I'm sorry, we're at 6 right now for the Sunday slate. So we still, if we sweep, we'll hit the over. Um, but I have us at 12, which means we have to sweep just to push on the 15 over. Yes. So who are you paying up for at tight end? Well, I'm going to pay up for a guy that people will probably be off of this week because he had a poor week 15 in what should have been a huge game, and that's uh, Greg Dolchich against the Rams this week at 3,900. If you ignore the week 14 game where somehow or another the Rams managed to shut out the Raiders and, and didn't allow a single catch to Foster Moreau or whoever their backup tight end behind him was, uh, the Rams have given up an average of six catches and 81 yards and a total of five touchdowns over their last six games to the tight end position. And again, you're not assuming Eric Tomlinson is going to steal a touchdown this week. Go with Greg Dolchitz. He's got way more talent. So we do have a match, um, which I think gives us a shot to, to do this. So I, I looked at both Higby and Dolchitz, and I, I look, he's $200 cheaper. I want to save as much money as I can so I can possibly try and get some of those m more middling-priced wide receivers in, in the lineup, right? Mm -hmm. um, to make it a little easier. Maybe I want to do a Hill, Waddle, Watson-type stack or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I like Dolchich. He's been coming on. Uh, I won't look at last week as what I expect to see going forward. Um, and with that, since I'm going to pay up for the second highest-priced guy on the board, that means I'm staying away from Tyler Higby, who's the most expensive guy on the board. And we do have a match there. He's 4,100 on DraftKings. Uh, you know, even the best tight ends, 
are posting an average of roughly four catches and 55 yards against Denver. And those are the best. We're talking Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Higby's good, but he's not that great. Again, no one has really gone off against Denver. I think they've given up three tight end touchdowns all season, and they were like uh, games where there's like one catch for eight yards and a, tight, and a tight end touchdown for like some backup. So it's not a great matchup to begin with. Uh, yeah, he didn't look very active in the offense with Baker Mayfield throwing the ball last week. Uh, I don't have the game on right now, so I, I can't tell you uh, how he's looking so far tonight, but this doesn't look like a great matchup for Higby. And when you've got Dolchich right there, and even Robert Tunyon facing Miami, Miami's been susceptible to the tight end position. So you've got another option right below yep. both of them. Uh, it's easy to fade Higby here. Yeah, so like I wanted to like Tanyan, honestly. I just can't, right? I, I was like, well, can I yeah. have a couple more? You can't, you can't trust him. That's the problem. Right. And I feel like you can, cr- you can trust um, Dolchich. So you want to know how Higby's doing tonight? Three catches yeah. for 19 yards on four targets. Um, well, that's people, not going to help me in one of my dynasty leagues where I need him to score 31 points. Well, if you want the good news, there's only been six total targets. Van Jefferson has one and Cam Akers has one, so he's got the majority of the lion's share. Woohoo! And he's got 19 <laughs> of the total 46 yards passing that Baker has. He's 5 of 8 for 46 yards. And this game is going swimmingly for people like you and I in Scott Fishbowl. It's... 3-3 with about 9, 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, with the weather like it is, we probably didn't have a lot of teams starting Mason Crosby. Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, I don't know. But we'll see. Anyway, um, there you go. So we're both staying away from the first. We got our two matches on tight end. Can we get a sweep and hit a push on the overall? That's going to be cool if we can. I thought the value play was pretty easy, but with you, I never know. Well, I'm going to give us two shots at it. How about that? Okay. Take your pick, Tampa Bay tight end Cade Otten or Tampa Bay tight end Cameron Brait. Uh, Otten has been involved heavily over the middling weeks there where Brait was a little dinged up. Uh, last week, he was only targeted once. He didn't play a lot of snaps, so I'm a little concerned about which one of these guys is going to be the guy. Brait has eight targets total over the last two weeks, so he's actually uh, getting a little bit more involved. Brait's also $100 cheaper than Otten. So make again, make up a lineup, have one lap, have Otten, have, make up another lap, have one lineup, have Brait. Uh, it's tight end versus Arizona. Rinse, repeat. Yes. And we have the match on Otten since you said Otten first. Um, I wouldn't disagree with going, like I said, make a, make a lineup with each one of them. I would have expected the savings to be a little more on Brait. And then, like, if he was 2500 I might have thought about it. But if it's only that yeah, $100, it, it, I just think that Otten's. Yeah, yeah, okay, he had a bad game. You can say what you say about targets. I still think he's the guy that's got the better chance of catching a touchdown and having five catches for, you know, 65 yards or something like that. Yeah, and again, if, if you need an odd pivot there, too, you, know, you can kind of consider Trey McBride. Yeah. Uh, Tampa is uh, they're above average against the tight end position, but I don't think he's going to be very highly owned, as I think people are going to have one of the three higher-priced guys who are about the same price or one of the Tampa Bay guys. So, It'd definitely be a variance play. Explain to me one question. How is Mike Gusecki not $1,000? <laughs> because they haven't Chris Davis him yet. <laughs> I mean, it just... I, I, realistic, I'd, I'd rather play Durham Smythe than Mike Gusecki. Uh, I mean, I'd rather pay, play Mercedes Lewis at $5,000 than Mike Gusecki. <laughs> 
I'm just quickly looking up what Durham Smythe's price tag is here on the site, and he's at 2,500. I think they should invert those two prices, put Smythe at uh, at Gasicki's price, and <laughs> Gasicki at the 2,500. I still don't think I'd play him. I, you know, I'd play Max Williams at 2,500 before I play Gasicki at 34. Over the last month, he has one catch for five yards. It's it's been ugly. Uh, uh, they don't have his. They don't have his targets listed, unfortunately. So I can't see targets on the site that I'm on on my phone. Real quick, he has four catches since November sixth. for thirty nine yards. I think Travis Kelsey. Wasteland. Wait a minute. Travis, <laughs> how many? How many series has Travis Kelsey had four catches for forty nine yards this year? Probably. Uh, at least uh, one this past weekend. So right. So. Anyway, so there you go. The over fails. Let me see here. We got three. So we got not. Oh, no, the over hit. We hit the over on the Sunday slate and 15 pushed. Yes. Not bad. Vegas wins again. As always, as always. Well, listen, Harley, um, it's been a pleasure. I know we still got a couple more weeks, but make sure you and and your wife and the cats, cat, cats, um, have a wonderful. Multiple. Multiple. Cats have a fantastic Merry Christmas. Um, enjoy the time that you get, and hopefully, you know, Fandle gets you pricing so that you can finish all your articles. And anybody that needs help fantasy wise, whether it's for Scott Fishbowl or other playoffs that you're in, feel free to reach out to Harley at Nuclear Harley. You can reach out to me at Steve Gallo NFL. And of course, do yourself a favor if you don't have a membership to the huddle. Gift one to yourself now. It makes a great Christmas gift for your friends and family, too. Absolutely. And guess what? If you happen to be a writer or something like that, you can write it off on your taxes. And no, I am not an accountant. I cannot give financial advice. And I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But you can still do that. Anyway, um, in the interim, you know what? I know people like their little eggnogs, whatever. Whatever you like. Raise your glasses. But make sure you get blitz responsible. Cheers. Cheers.